This is Change the Conversations, a podcast created to help you say things, feel things, do things, listen, and communicate differently to lead to greater understanding. Because if we truly want change in our world, we need to do some things differently. Join our host, Amy Vanderlinden, a pelvic health therapist, business owner, and entrepreneur who is passionate about helping men and women know and feel confident in their bodies by educating us about health, seeking truth, and speaking boldly to stop settling, stop suffering, and stop the cycle of shame that is holding us back. All right, you guys, welcome back to another episode of Change the Conversations. This is a fun one for me because I'm interviewing our other physical therapist, Emily Duncan. And it dawned on me like last week, I'm like, I can't believe we haven't done this yet. So we had some time on our hands this week. And so wanted to have her on and just chat a little bit more, let you guys get to know her better. She is passionate about quite a few topics. Um, so I'm sure we'll get going here in a second on all the things, but Emily, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and who are you? Hey, everybody. Good to be on here. Um, so a little bit about me. So I grew up in Arizona. I grew up actually in Litchfield, which is where I live now with my son and husband. Um, I am a pelvic floor physical therapist and I'm also a yoga teacher sometimes, and I'm passionate about all things women's health low toxic living, using movement as medicine, um, nutrition, all of those fun things. Awesome. And so speaking of growing up here, I love that you're an Arizona native. Um, definitely one of my favorite things about you when I was interviewing you. Um, did you grow up with big family? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I actually grew up with divorced parents. They were divorced when I was like, I don't know, three or four, probably. So I bounced between their houses um, and then I grew up with some stepbrothers. So there's five of us total. My mom had me and my sister and then my stepdad had three boys. So it's a big family, but it is a lot of fun. I'm used to the loud, crazy houses and always somebody being over. And it's very different from my husband because he's an only child. So and it was just <laughs> him and his mom. So he was used to the quiet. And then when we started dating, he was like, oh, it, it's just loud all the time. <laughs> I was like, yep, get used to it. Which is awesome because you're a boy mom now and yep. Grant's getting bigger and louder and oh yeah. Yeah. So he's a, a wild savage. A and a half. Yeah, he's about a year and a half old and he just keeps getting more fun. I keep saying as he gets older, keeps getting more fun, seeing his personality develop and watch him learn new words and new activities. It's a lot of fun. Well, and I first met you totally didn't connect the dots till way later, but I first met you at goat yoga. So how, so how <laughs> did you get interested in, in yoga in general? So when I was 15, um, I was in high school and I don't really know how it started, but I started going to yoga classes at EOS at the gym that was local to me. And I absolutely fell in love with it. And then I was going to like two yoga classes a day. I was like, not going to class and going to yoga instead. <laughs> Does your mom um, already know this story or is this going to be? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like my, and then like going into my senior year, like, yeah, I absolutely fell in love with yoga. Um, and I knew I always wanted to do something in healthcare, but because of my alternative ideas, I knew I didn't really want to um, like go to med school. I wanted the option of like being in charge of myself and not having to answer to somebody. Um, and then finding a, um, a career where I could blend my passion for yoga into it is kind of how I landed on physical therapy. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I started getting into yoga. Um, I actually, out of high school, got a Army ROTC scholarship, and I went up to New York, to upstate New York for a semester, to an engineering school, and absolutely hated it. So I did not know I I about this be... part of your journey. <laughs> yeah. So I thought I was going to be an officer in the army and be an engineer. And I got there and was like, what am I doing? And I actually started my yoga teacher training when I was there. 
And then I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I want to move back home. And so after that semester, luckily the Army RTC scholarship gives you like a year forgiveness. So it was basically a free semester. They paid for everything and I got to move back home and then started going to the community college. And I thought I was going to do nursing. Um, And then I thought I was going to do microbiology because I loved microbiology. And then, yeah, I just kept thinking about it and kept going to yoga. And then I was like, oh, I'm just going to do PT. But that's how it happened. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I think I actually decided I wanted to go to PT school like the last semester of my junior year in undergrad, which is when you apply to PT school. So then I applied, um, found out I got in, and then I started like a few months after I graduated undergrad. I cannot picture you in the military. That's what everybody says. I'm like, I can't either. I don't know what I was thinking. (laughs) This is also why like maybe 17 and 18 year olds shouldn't be making like career decisions. Maybe not. Yeah. Glad you got out of that. Obviously, I can't really (laughs) picture you in engineering either. I mean, smart, obviously intelligence wise, you're totally capable, but Yikes. The microbiology fits. Like you love nutrition and like you said, non-toxic living. And I think you're one of the only people I know in real life who listens to more podcasts than me. Um, (laughs) Uh, All the time you're like, I was listening to this podcast about this. I was listening to this podcast about this. Um, I love this. Yeah. And now I listen to like one or two a day. That's amazing. Well, and I think that's one upside of having a little bit of a drive to work, which I do not have. I have like seven minutes, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, which I'm grateful for, but it makes it tricky. It ends up taking me like six days of listening to get through one or two podcasts, but um, yeah. okay. So let's go into the non-toxic living stuff and your passion for that. Did that mm-hmm. mostly come out of your own life or where yes. did that interest grow? So that also kind of started when I was 15. I was having like chronic um, gastrointestinal problems. I was having like a ton of pain. I was going to all the GI doctors, my primary care. Um, I grew up on like standard American diet, like Kraft mac and cheese, SpaghettiOs, Stouffer's lasagna. I did have a mom that cooked dinner every night. So that was nice. But um, I remember making like the box of brownies with a cup of vegetable oil in it and just like eating the whole the whole thing (laughs) which I don't think helped anything um I also was getting like um recurrent strep throat so I was probably getting strep throat every like four to six weeks I was on a ridiculous amount of antibiotics when I was a kid my parents always said like oh thank god for western medicine otherwise you probably wouldn't have lived if you like were born 150 years ago without antibiotics but the more I learned, the more it was probably tied to like diet and lifestyle and all of those things. Um, so maybe that's what got me into yoga and like kind of the alternative space. Um, but I kind of just dove deep a little bit into that. When I got into yoga, I started doing like vegan stuff and keto and tried all of the things. And I think I tried vegan for like a month or two. And I felt good for like a week. <laughs> then I had like no energy at all because I wasn't eating any meat. Um, yeah. And then I just like kept learning more and more, reading more books, listening to podcasts, just like talking to people, um, joining Facebook groups. And then I kind of ended up in the space I'm in now where I'm like animal based. And <laughs> um, yeah, so that's kind of how I ended up here. So what are some of, yeah, well, and I know you're super passionate about educating our clients on why they should eat meat. And <laughs> um, I know we're both big fans of grass fed. I've had Sarah Burris of AZ Meats and AZ Ranch, Easy Ranch, um, awesome grass fed meat. Um, if I could learn to cook more of it better, that would be good, but that's a separate issue. But yeah, we've had her on the podcast talking about kind of some of the rumors and myths out there about meat and grass-fed and grain-fed and all the things. Um, What's one of the most important reasons that you make sure and discuss nutrition with our clients? Honestly, I see women chronically under eating 
I would say 90% of the time I talk to women in their evals or like their um, follow-up treatment sessions about what they're eating. And it is so common for me to talk to women that are skipping breakfast, having like a salad for lunch, and then maybe for dinner, they're eating a good dinner and they're having like chicken and rice and veggies, but that's really their only real meal. And then for snacks, they'll have like a handful of nuts. And I'm like, that's 1200 calories. That is not enough for a toddler. That is not enough for a grown woman. Um, yeah. So I chronic, I see so many women chronically under eating, which I think society does not help. Right. Like even growing up, I heard 1200 calories a day and I think it just gets ingrained into you. And then when I tell women to eat more, they're like, are you sure? Like I'm trying to lose weight. Like I don't want to gain weight. That sounds like a lot of calories. And I'm like, yes, you need to eat more food. <laughs> well, and I know we're not nutritionists, full disclosure, everybody, but I think it, first of all, we're two humans and women on the face of this planet, trying to stay healthy ourselves and feed our families. And so I know one of the reasons I've always loved studying nutrition and make sure to discuss it with clients is because of inflammation levels. Like we can't help you with healing nearly as effectively. If you're constantly putting food in your body, that's creating inflammation, your results are going to be drastically hindered. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's going to be things that don't recover well. And we do work with some athletes and just people that want to feel good every day and recovery matters. And so, yeah, the calories, obviously media and like the under eating is huge. Um, I know for myself, like until I was consistently tracking, I was definitely not getting enough protein and we won't get into that necessarily because there's lots of controversy about what's enough and what's enough for women. But I mean, I know you study this area a lot and so do I, I'm currently reading fast, like a girl. And I did that carb cycling journey around my cycle. And, um, now even some of the intermittent fasting related to your cycle. And, um, I think that it has to be part of the conversation. And thankfully we do have Lindsay as a holistic nutrition coach in the space and, um, other resources that we can give, but there's so much, I'll say unprofessional. And all I mean by that is advice coming from people who don't necessarily have a degree or certification either. That's what I mean in this sentence. What I mean by unprofessional is just, there's so much information out there that I feel like there's a lot we can mention without necessarily being out of our lane. What are your thoughts on on that? Like, yeah, I also think that to I'm really big into like providing whole person care and not like slicing a person like the patient or the person in front of me up into all of their body parts like I'm not just going to work on your musculoskeletal system without addressing like sleep and nutrition and all of the lifestyle changes because I can't really make lasting effects and you're not going to get good results if you're not going to change lifestyle habits like if you're going to be drinking soda every day, or you're going to be eating fast food every day, or you're not going to be walking outside or seeing the sun every day, the results um, that we're going to get for treatment are just not going to be great. So yeah, I don't want to skip huge parts of somebody's lifestyle, even though it is physical therapy. I feel like there's a lot of things to talk about. Definitely. Obviously I agree. It's part of why I hired you um, because we do take a full body approach. And I mean, the other side of that too is emotions and mindset and, um, you know, sort of mind body wellness. There's many aspects to the physical piece and there's many aspects to the mind and emotional piece. And yeah, we try to look at everyone as their whole person and all the things that they're bringing in with them when they walk through our doors Um, What are some of the ways that you've implemented non-toxic living in your house? (laughs) Um, My whole house. My husband would tell you that I'm probably crazy about it, but um, like cleaning products. So I don't have any traditional cleaning products. I just use something called Branch Basics, um, which is a subscription and it literally lasts me. I probably get two bottles twice a year Um, or vinegar and baking soda I used to clean instead of like Windex and bleach and Lysol. Um, 
which again kind of goes back to the microbiology and not fearing bacteria um what else like shampoo conditioner personal body products so I'm very picky about all of the things that I use in my body and I'm also just kind of a minimalist when it comes to that so I'm all of my patients hear me talk about tallow so I use tallow yeah. as a moisturizer which is beef fat but you can also use it to take off your makeup you can use it for diaper rash creams you can use it to cook in so finding products that are multifunctional um, can help save cost because I know when I initially talk to people about swapping products in their home they're it's overwhelming they feel like it's going to cost a ton of money so I usually tell people to switch what they put in their body first then what they put on their body and then what's around their body so in your body would be food mostly food air water um then on your body so all of your personal products what are you washing your hair in what are you cleaning with what are you using for soap all of those things and then what's on your body so clothes um perfumes all of those things yeah and obviously we try to keep everything here unscented and natural based partially too so that certain clients aren't triggered by certain smells or have reactions. Obviously we're touching with our skin to their skin. So being mindful of that. Well, mm-hmm. certain areas we're obviously using gloves too. Don't freak <laughs> out everybody. Um, yeah. but, um, just that full body. And I think how, how's your house? Um, do you get into, I don't think we've had this conversation really. Uh, what about detoxing like EMF? Um, so I honestly could be better in this area. So we turn all of our products on airplane mode. So all of our phones are on airplane mode throughout the night, but I don't unplug like our Wi-Fi router, um, which I, there's no reason for it to be on overnight. So I definitely could unplug it. It's just inconvenient for me, which is the big reason I don't do it. Um, no, I could definitely do better about that, but I'm really big about turning our phones on airplane mode at least. Yeah. Um, I make sure our phones aren't in our bedrooms for the kids and us. Um, I don't know if I actually, I don't think I switched to airplane mode though. Let me think about that, but yeah, the turning the Wi-Fi off and on, um, or unplugging it all the way. Yeah. yeah. I've seen people have them on like a timer switch, which I feel like would help so that it could turn off at like 9 PM and then turn back on at 6 AM or whatever. Yeah. So I could do something like that. I haven't even really looked at our Wi-Fi thing. Cause when we bought the house, it was like already built in. Right. So I haven't messed with it at all. Yeah. Well, and I think you'd still have to go airplane mode um, because our phones have data. Right. And like yeah. Bluetooth things. Yeah. Oh, this yeah. is a lot. Yeah. That it's one, so that one gets me on the overwhelming factor, the nutrition and some of the other stuff I've been thinking about and studying for a lot longer. Um, <laughs> 5G towers and all the things. Yeah. Um, so where do you get tallow? Let's go back to oh, that. There's, there's a few different websites I like to buy it from. Um, Root Apothecary is one of my favorites. Simply Eden, Smear by, Smear by Brit, um, Hazy Harbor. The Nakedest is actually in Arizona. She's local and she sells it. Um, well, and there's even some local butchers that sell it. Yeah. Yeah. So you can make your own. It's actually very affordable to make it. You just need to have the time. And I just don't prioritize that. But yeah, you can definitely go to a butcher and buy tallow and render it. So you basically like melt it and strain it and you could make your own for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That would definitely be a little bit of work, but probably very doable depending. Um, and like you said, great cost saver. Um, Well, so you shared about some of the things when you were 15 that kind of led you into yoga and some of the issues with GI. Um, how has that changed your health? That's kind of what like got me on this journey and why I'm so passionate about it, because I talked to so many people, again, that have chronic pains, chronic illness, a ton of GI stuff. And then with women, period problems, fertility problems that are so correlated and tied to their lifestyle. And I don't think normally, I mean, there are some exceptions that conventional doctors talk to people about those things and like endocrine disruptors and fragrances. And again, like what products are you using? What are your lifestyle? Are you going outside? Um, So that's another reason why I'm so big on talking about lifestyle (laughs) changes. 
So do you still have GI issues? Or um, honestly, not very often. And if I do, it's because I'm eating out more than I would like to. Like if I'm eating at home and I'm eating my like whole real food diet and I'm focusing on animal products and I'm eating very clean, I feel great. I'm poop great. I don't really have any stomach pain. But if I'm like going to In-N-Out or Chipotle or we go out to dinner somewhere, I can for sure notice a difference, especially because I avoid seed oil so much in my house. I don't cook with them at all. And pretty much every restaurant uses vegetable oil or canola oil. Um, and so it's kind of unavoidable when you go out to restaurants and they're super inflammatory and I know I react poorly to them. Plus, like you can get into the whole organic thing and finding restaurants that it's hard to eat out and be clean about it. Well, let's say a little bit more about seed oils. Why, what are the harmful aspects of them? And I think, so a lot of people who have not, who care at all about nutrition are pretty aware by now of the dangers of the hydrogenated oils and vegetable oils and, and that kind of thing. I don't think that's <clears throat> as surprising. I think sometimes when people read sunflower seed oil or peanut oil, that sounds like a healthy natural food. Yeah. And so why would the oil from that be bad? Right. And so say a little bit more about seed oils and what's yeah. problematic. I think the marketing, honestly, the marketing on all of this stuff is just wild. And then you learn more about it because like vegetable oil is generally like, oh, it's like oil from vegetables when it is not at all. <laughs> no, it's a petroleum um, product. Yeah, it's it's wild. Same thing with like Vaseline. I'm like, it's petroleum. Oh, you don't want that yeah. on your body. Um, yeah. So like vegetable oil, canola oil, safflower oil, sunflower oil, rapeseed oil, cottonseed oil, all of these are super inflammatory and they are in everything because they're super cheap to make. Um, if you look on the back of pretty much any packaged food, you're going to see those. Even if it's like an organic food, you'll see like organic sunflower oil, which again, like sunflower oil sounds good, but it is still a highly processed seed oil that is very inflammatory for your body. So usually the things I cook with are butter. Most of the time, it's so easy. I just keep a butter dish on my counter. Um, butter, tallow, if I'm doing like tallow fried chicken or something, um, a high quality olive oil, um, which I look for being stored in like a dark amber glass container instead of plastic. I really wish the giant one at Costco wasn't in plastic <laughs> um, or avocado oil are usually what I'm using to cook. And again, just focusing more on animal fats, which also have a ton of vitamins and minerals in them for you. And you're going to get more nutrients from using those than you would from using vegetable oil. Yeah. I was thrilled when Costco like rebranded or I, I don't know, maybe they made some deal with Kerrygold, but they sell Kerrygold butter still. Oh yeah. And they mm -hmm. also branded their own grass-fed butter. I'm like, yes. Yeah. Um, you did not mention coconut oil. I'm just curious if there's a reason. Oh, I do use coconut oil sometimes. I don't love to cook okay. with it because it has more of a taste. Like if I cook in coconut oil, it tastes like coconut. So sometimes I'll use it, but I'm picky about what I use it in just because it tastes like coconuts. That's funny. I do agree it has a taste. <laughs> Maybe I don't need enough coconut to associate it with actual coconut. I was like, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Plus I have butter on my counter. And so most of the time yeah. I just throw that in the Got pan it, instead yeah. of like having to go up into my cover cupboard above my right microwave to get an oil. Right. Yeah. Convenience. Yeah. Matters. <laughs> um, shoot. I was going somewhere. I hijacked myself with my coconut oil question. Um, well, we can talk about like ingredients in butter. So, or just ingredients in anything. I think like nutrition or ingredient labels can be super, again, like overwhelming and tricky for people to start to read and learn more about. And again, I think when you look at a nutrition label, most people just go straight towards calories. <laughs> when I would much rather have somebody focus on, is it really food? Can you... Okay. Go ahead. So when I'm looking at a nutrition label, I don't want to just look at the calories that are in the food. I'm more concerned about what are the ingredients. Can I pronounce all the ingredients 
that are on that label? Do I know what they are? Does it contain harmful ingredients like we talked about with seed oils or gums that can disrupt your intestinal lining or natural flavors or artificial flavors, which mean just a boatload of chemicals? Um, so I'm really picky when I look at ingredient labels. And unfortunately, you really have to look at them every time you buy something because brands can change them without telling you. So usually every time you go to the store, I would check out those ingredient labels, even if it's a brand that you normally trust and buy, especially if it's a different product. So like if you're used to buying chips from this brand and then you go and try to buy tortillas from them or something, still check the label on that different uh, food product. So I remember my other question, but I want to stay on food for a minute. Um, I'm really passionate about educating people about all the artificial sweeteners out there. And like, oh, yeah. like, cause when you get going on those long names and even some of the natural amino acids or vitamins sound weird, like riboflavin and selenium that you yeah. might not notice. And potassium is just another mineral, right? So, um, but when they put acesulfame in front of potassium, people don't mm -hmm. know, or a lot of people don't know that that's aspartame and right. sucralose and all of those guys. Um, and that even yeah. like, I'm a big fan of stevia for some things, but even that's getting chemically processed and changed now because it became so popular that yeah. trying to get pure plant-based stevia isn't always easy. And then there's all these new ones, erythritol and, um, gosh, help me out. There's some of the other ones, monk fruit. Um, yeah, there's a ton. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to sweeteners, again, I'm focused on like real whole food. So maple syrup and honey are pretty much the only sweeteners that I use at home. Um, and my coffee, I use like a teaspoon of maple syrup, or if I'm out somewhere and I'm ordering coffee, like a hot coffee, I'll ask for them to put honey or maple syrup in it instead of sugar. What about yeah. organic cane sugar? <laughs> I will use that, especially if I'm like baking or something. Um, you can use maple syrup, but it's just not the same sometimes. So yeah, I'll use like organic cane sugar or um, Thrive Market actually sells maple sugar. So it's maple syrup turned into like a granulated sugar. So I can use that too for baking, which is awesome. Interesting. Um, I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah, it's kind of expensive. It's like $10 for a little bag, but I mean, it depends on what you're using it for. It can last a long time. Interesting. Um, Maybe. Yeah. And then with the fake sugars and how much they're a bladder irritant, I talk to people all the time about like their diet sodas and everything. And I'm like, yeah, not great for your bladder, especially if you have interstitial cystitis or you're having leaking problems already or bladder pain or anything to do with your bladder. Let's avoid fake sugar. For sure. Well, and then again, back to the inflammatory levels. Um, and the amount of inflammation yeah. and yeah, there's so many things with fake sugar. It's terrible for your blood sugar and your insulin levels. And most people already have really poorly regulated blood sugar levels. Your body has no idea what to do with fake sugar. Um, so that's not setting you up for success, especially when it comes to like pre-diabetes, diabetes, your A1C, all of those things, but it's also not great for your gut. So even stevia can disrupt your gut microbiome. So that's again, why I'm like, just go to whole real food, not something that's made in a factory. Get some honey. Yeah. And it's good for your allergies, especially if you're buying something Honey's local. amazing. Yeah. 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 I was talking to a client, not a client, a friend this morning at Collab Culture, and she was talking about how Manuka honey helped heal this really rare autoimmune skin thing she has. Oh yeah. I, um, actually on my postpartum checklist, I put Manuka honey on there to put on your vaginal tears after delivery. Right. Yeah. So I use Manuka honey after having Grant on mine. Um, you can also use seaweed, which I hadn't heard that before, but next time. That's on hand. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's antibacterial, antiviral it's on, it's really easy to find. Yeah. So yeah. Awesome. So the question I had wanted to ask before, um, I hijacked myself with the coconut oil was, you mentioned, um, we were talking about fragrances and scents and different things that we're putting on our bodies or around our bodies and how those can be endocrine disruptors. That sounds like a little bit of a fancy medical term. So break that down and whatever knowledge you have about how some of those things disrupt the endocrine system, which is our big yeah. hormonal system and regulator in the yeah. body. But yeah. yeah. So endocrine yeah. system is hormone system. So think about like 
estrogen, testosterone. There's literally so many hormones, but think about that system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so things like fragrances and candles and all of the bath and body products or like your chapstick or your perfume or soaps, um, all have fragrances in them. And those fragrances, again, are made of a buttload of chemicals, which do not mess well with your hormonal system and can hijack it. And then we see problems with fertility, problems with like hormone levels, um, skin problems like eczema, psoriasis, all of those things. Well, and do you agree, like when things can hijack or disrupt our endocrine system, that's going to have an impact on the immune system as well, oh, again, yeah. leading to the autoimmune, eczema, yeah. psoriasis, different things yeah. like that. They're also linked to like higher cancer rates and just nothing that's good for you. And if you can find a product that isn't going to harm you in the long term, why would you not swap it? Right. Well, and yeah. so I think that can be really frustrating for people too, because like lavender, is a plant, it's a flower, roses, gardenia, mm-hmm. those are not things that are inherently harmful to us, yet mm-hmm. it's because of all the chemical processing. And yeah. um, do you know more about the mechanism by which they disrupt the hormones? Ooh, no, that I do not. That would be interesting though to uh, learn about. Maybe we give Bailey that project. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I've heard and learned a lot too about the hormone disruption, but I don't know the in-depth pieces of the mechanism by which that happens and the why behind that other than that, yeah, it's chemicals that aren't good for you. Um, and there are lots of not that, definitely not more expensive necessarily, natural candles, natural scents um, that yeah. it's possible to enjoy those pleasant smelling things without... Mm-hmm creating all of the negative side effects. There's been a huge uptick in the last few years of companies that sell high quality products with, again, like tallow candles or beeswax candles um, that are scented with natural fragrances. Um, If you read, again, a label and it just says fragrance or perfume, we have no idea what that means. And if you reach out to the company, they probably won't tell you. Um, But if it says like lavender oil, or something with whatever fragrance it is, then you have to decide like, oh, am I okay with that or am I not? Yeah, for sure. Well, because the word natural isn't regulated either. That's a big marketing ploy. Um, Mm -hmm. There's several words, or if they say organic, that is regulated by the USDA. And there, unfortunately, that's a very expensive process. So some smaller companies can't really afford to get that USDA certified organic label but truly mean it when they say natural, but not necessarily. So it can be frustrating as a consumer for sure to try to navigate all of this. That's Uh, why if you're buying um, like fruit, vegetables, meat, whatever at a farmer's market or from like a local rancher or farmer, you can just ask them how they grow the food, which is helpful because their process and like their practices are probably much better than the food that you're getting at the grocery store. Not to even mention that it's flown across the world. Right. Which Freshness yeah. possibilities. Yeah. When it's like, oh yeah. yeah, I know where Tomachaw Farms is. Oh, I know where Blue Sky Ranch is. Like, yeah, yeah. you guys are a couple miles away. Yeah. Um, and thankfully we have an abundance of farmers markets. In the oh, there's so many in Phoenix. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're huge. Oh. And they're yeah, popping up more and more everywhere. So yeah, that would be good news for our listeners almost anywhere that they are. Um, mm-hmm. All right, we've talked a lot about a lot about a lot. Um, trying to think of things we don't talk about all day because we talk about sex <laughs> and poop and um, our pelvic anatomy and birth control and all of that stuff all day every day. Well, I know poop as an overall indicator of health is something we also see eye to eye on. Um, what would you want to like share with? our audience in terms of why having healthy poops matters? Well, it's like a huge detox system in your body. So you don't always need to go on like a detox program to detox. Like your body has natural lymph systems and you poop, you should poop every day. And 
Um, yeah, as far as pooping goes, you should be going every day. It should be easy to get out. It should be like a nice smooth banana or a sausage. You should feel empty after. Um, and I have some people that'll be like, oh, I poop every two or three days. And I've just always been like that. That's normal for me. And I'm like, but should you be pooping every two or three days? Even if that's how it's been your whole life? Probably not. Um, and then the cause of that can be various things. Sometimes it's pelvic floor tension and then pelvic floor therapy can help. Sometimes it's diet related. Sometimes they're drinking a sip of water in the day. So, yeah. Yeah. We talk about all that stuff. Yeah, I agree. I feel like it's a good indicator of your overall gut absorption. I feel like it's a good overall indicator of how you're processing the foods you're putting in your mouth, because I think having regular healthy poops isn't super possible on lots of certain diets, especially really processed uh, fast food diets. Like you're going to end up being either diarrhea or constipated swinging, depending on how your body's handling that. Um, I also feel like we see a lot where people think that they're not constipated because they're having some diarrhea, but it turns out they're severely constipated and diarrhea is yeah. the only thing getting around the poop. Right. Um, yeah. I also see a lot of people that have been using Miralax for years and years and years. And what's even worse is if a doctor told them that it's okay to take Miralax for years and years and years. Um, and I'm like, there's no long-term safety data on Miralax. Please stop. Not Maybe only not, is like, there no long-term safety like, taper data off since you've been doing it for years, right. <laughs> but not only is there not long-term safety data, there's a ton of lawsuits and problematic data and Facebook groups of like kids who are messed up forever from it and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Miralax is terrible, terrible. And yes, the fact that. Yeah. I've seen recently like anxiety. Oh, anxiety and mental health. It says right on the Miralax that it should not Mm -hmm. be given to children under 18. Yet I've worked with tons of kids with toileting issues and doctors always put them on Miralax. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. I've personally helped several families with toileting issues where they were having behavioral issues and psychiatrists were involved and medications were involved and 90 plus percent of it was coming from the Miralax. So didn't necessarily mean to go on that tangent guys, but it's important information. And I think that's one of the frustrating things. How are people supposed to navigate ridiculously? Oh, Sorry, guys, I guess we're having some tech glitches. I don't know. Maybe it's because we're in the same building. But um, I was just saying that I can imagine this very frustrating when doctors are making these recommendations and navigating to just ridiculous abundance of online data can be very, very frustrating. Um, And so that's definitely part of why we try to give resources to clients, help them navigate some of that, um, email to client yesterday, a list of things to ask her surgeon to decide what she wants to do moving forward. So we get that it's really challenging and we're definitely here to help and discuss those things. Um, I also love even just like local mom Facebook groups or like holistic Facebook groups. There are so many knowledgeable women in those groups that can tell you all kinds of helpful tips and things about like rashes or whatever you have going on. Yeah all the things. And so, um, just because they're not like a medical professional doesn't mean that they don't have knowledgeable information. Yeah. Yep. Gotta love the anecdotal living a life that yep. proves my, my yeah. hypothesis. Kids. Yeah. Yeah. So out mm-hmm. of all this stuff we've talked about, what do you feel like your is one of your biggest bandwagon soap boxes right now? I've been talking a lot about, um, getting outside even just for like 15, 20 minutes a day, especially with the weather getting nicer. Cause I know over summer it's like 115 degrees. And so like, it's easy to use that as an excuse of why you're not getting any time outside, but I'm like, it's 83 degrees today. Like, have you gotten your 30 minutes of sun? So that's what I've been talking about a lot with people. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast about hormones and stuff, and they were talking about how you need to wake up and view light. And real there's light, people like that, 
<laughs> yeah. There's people that live in certain parts of the world that they can even buy like sun lamps. That's so the right yeah. light, right? Like not the blue light or fake light or fluorescent or whatever, but yeah, that sunlight, because it turns off your, your melatonin and turns on your cortisol in a good way. And then at yeah. night we need the darkness to turn off yeah. the cortisol and turn on the melatonin and all those natural rhythms and regulations. Yeah. Yeah. I talked to people about habit stacking. So again, it can feel overwhelming to make lifestyle changes. So if I'm telling them for regulating your blood sugar levels, I want you to walk for 10 minutes after you eat every meal, we can do the walk outside, right? And then your habit stacking, you're getting 30 minutes of sun by walking after every meal and you're outside. So, or, and then maybe you like listen to your podcast while you're walking or do it do something else during your walk so that you can have it stack and do a lot of things at the same time and just be efficient. I just wrote the word being time efficient right before you said that. <laughs> yeah. Or like if I'll tell somebody to eat breakfast, maybe you like eat breakfast on your patio so that you're not only eating breakfast and getting morning sun, but you're also spending time time outside. So yeah. Habit and it'll stack. probably make your dogs happy. True. Yeah. yeah. Take your dog on a walk every day <laughs> or your baby or your toddler. Yes. You love yeah. being outside and helps it's just them out helps regulate oh, yeah. their sleep a hundred percent and just their nervous system. Anytime grand's having a hard time. If I walk outside, he is a different child. Yeah. yeah. He was so mad. You guys had to leave the bounce house the other day. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was like, Oh, meltdown in progress. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was not happy about that. I also like, well, it would be hard with babies, but with toddlers and older kids, we do like shaking your body. So it's kind of like rebounding for like five. Don't minutes. shake your baby, guys. That's no, good. Don't please shake don't. Your baby. <laughs> no, he just is like bouncing up and down and like spinning. And then I shake my body with him for like five minutes before bedtime or after the shower or whatever. And that helps regulate their nervous system too. Yeah, we are definitely and big on nervous system regulation. I feel like that almost will have to be a whole other podcast. Yeah, probably. We could both talk about that. I like to do what? You like to do what? Okay, so another thing I like to do is um, we call it burrito time, but um, I'll wrap them up in a burrito and then you can either use like a pillow or your hands and just squeeze down their body. So squeeze like their shoulders, their arms, their body, their legs or whatever. And just that proprioceptive feedback and sensory input helps regulate them too. So he actually asks for it now. He'll like go to the blanket and point to it or drag it over to me and be like, burrito, burrito. <laughs> That's awesome. So. Yeah. They know what they like. My kids, my kids who are now 18 and 15 love to be rebounded still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Taylor came in here for cupping yesterday. She looks like she was attacked by an octopus, but she needed <laughs> it so badly. Right. And like when we were kids, like were we taught to regulate our nervous system and like, what did that look like? And so being part of a new generation that's like trying to parent differently is, is pretty cool. Definitely. I mean, but we also played outside and we had no electronics, especially me. I'm older than you, but like, yeah, yeah. we had no electronics. It was like, be home, yeah. like drink yeah. out. Yeah. All those things. We, my mom let us play outside all the time. I mean, we, I got pretty lucky with that when we were young. Instagram didn't really become a thing until I was, I don't know, probably like a sophomore or junior in high school. So I did get a little lucky with that. Yeah, I definitely think it's harder now. And I I know I definitely have to be the bad guy and, you know, phones plugged in outside your rooms and like taking them away or turning them off or limiting yeah. the time on that. Like I'm almost happier when the kids have stuff in the evenings. I know at least they're not on their phones, especially Trevor. Right. Um, just sitting, scrolling mindlessly. You know. Like, well, we as adults aren't really handling social media and discipline off our phones very well. How do we expect children and teenagers to be making oh, decisions? I know it's totally drugs. <laughs> it's, yeah. Your phone and like screen time is a drug. My family were always like, get off your drugs when it's like, when we're all hanging out and somebody's mm-hmm. on the phone. It's, true. <laughs> it's hard to turn it off and put it away. Yeah. So yeah. I've seen those like phone boxes where you can lock your phone in a box that would be interesting to try. 
I know. Thought about getting one of those for the house. Everybody's a basket where it's like, all right, phones are going in here. Cause my husband will get frustrated because Taylor and I will be watching a show together, but we're also but you're on your phone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, do I need to be watching TV and on Instagram at the same time? That's a lot of input into my brain right now. Probably not. As I'm watching Ted Lasso for the third time. <laughs> <laughs> you all like right. What's your favorite podcast? Ooh, that's going to be hard for you to narrow down. I'll give you a topic. <laughs> What's your favorite uh, health related podcast? All of the podcasts I listen to are health related. So I either listen to like birth podcasts and like birth education. So it's by like midwives or OBs or doulas. And it's all related to education about birth and labor. Okay. And What's your favorite birth, birth and labor podcast? <sighs> okay. I'm going to give my like top four. So Birthing Instincts, <laughs> which is um, by Dr. Stu and Midwife Bliss. Dr. Stu like specializes in breech delivery twins. Um, he's worked with midwives for like 30 years, I think, doing home births. He's awesome. Um, I like Down to Birth. So they talk a lot about um, just different things like statistics about whatever related to birth, like Rogam and interventions and the cascade of interventions and all of those things I also like the midwife's cauldron I think they're in Australia um and again they're talking about birth related things and the other one is the great birth rebellion same thing I think they're in Australia and they talk about more of the same stuff and then my favorite favorite nutrition podcast um my favorite probably like overall nutrition like health is real foodology she has on a lot of really cool guests that and they talk about all different topics so they'll talk about glyphosate um blood sugar regulation animal products like endocrine disruptors all of the things so I really like her stuff awesome yeah you can't even pick one per category I told you guys, she listens to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot. Obviously I listen to some business podcasts. Um, some of them are like personal development. Yeah. Um, I like Lewis Howes just cause he has on lots of different people. Um, mm-hmm. I also like Ed Milet's, but I've been listening to a lot of sex related podcasts, of course, because yeah, I love on a mission to help women have better sex. Like if I'm going to spend an hour or so in the car every day, I might as well learn something. So. We both highly prioritize efficiency. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. I'm like, that's why I love habit stacking too. Um, Atomic Habits is a great book for that and for all things habit and discipline. But he talks about habit stacking. Um, James Clear. Awesome. Any last things you want to say about changing the conversation? Um, I think one thing I've learned over the years is that it's okay to be controversial and go against the norm. And even if your family or your friends thinks that you're a crazy cuckoo person, um, next time they have something wrong that conventional Western medicine is not fixing, I bet they're going to go to you to look for a solution. So keep doing you. It's okay to go against the grain. I just wrote going against the grain at the top of the (laughs) sheet right before you said that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, That's a good one. That's a good one to wrap up with, because again, we've covered a lot of different things and I know you're passionate about a lot of different things. Like I said, it's one of the things that appealed to me about you a lot. Last question, because I think this is something we end up discussing every day, all day with our clients and women and things, and you being a young mom yourself. um, I think sometimes we skip it just because again, we're in it all day. But like you said, a lot of this is so overwhelming and you might have moms of littles and they're already doing the best they can. And so sometimes we say all these things and it sounds lovely and they might look at you or me and be like, well, they're thin. It must be easy for them or whatever. But like you said, I think habit stacking is a great way to build in some healthy habits. I know we're also both big proponents of don't worry about cutting something out of your life. Just add in one healthy thing. Um, and it doesn't have to be all at once. So like, say you are running out of laundry soap this next week and you're going to buy it at the grocery store, just choose a better option for the laundry soap. It doesn't need to be like, oh, I'm replacing all of my products tomorrow. Like it can be something slow and maybe you're adding in like a 
lifestyle change once every two to three weeks. Like maybe for the next three weeks, you're going to go on a walk after every meal. And then that's going to become part of your routine. And then once you feel comfortable with that, then maybe you add something else. Then maybe you start, um, I don't know, eating breakfast every day. So it doesn't have to be, again, like doing all of the things all at once because that's super overwhelming. But I also think having a community helps and like other moms to talk to. So whether that's the friend group that you already have and you can talk to them about it or like you're getting on Facebook or Instagram and you're following different people and unfollowing people that um, are causing more stress in your brain. Um, Yeah, I think just like finding a community that you vibe with can be really big on trying to change things. On that note, we've got to get you to revive our Facebook community that has been sitting there just kind of inactive and dormant for a while. And then we can help women in that space powwow and brainstorm and get support for these ideas. I think, I think that's why challenges and all that kind of stuff appeal to people so often is having somebody to do it with having accountability, having support, um, Mm -hmm. I think makes a world of difference. Yeah. When you're trying something new or you don't know where to start. And like you said, just start with one thing. Um, I think that's great advice. And cause yeah, everybody is for the most part doing the best they can. And the last thing we're trying to do is should all over moms with more shoulds that they're already shitting on themselves about so, <laughs> right. um, puns intended. Um, so yeah, I think just start with one little thing, wait till you're running out. All of those are great tips. Um, Thanks for jumping on. This was long overdue and I'm glad we finally did it. And um, yeah, you guys write us right in with your questions, share this out, share some of the tips that have helped you in your journey, whether that's health and nutrition, whether it's new momming, whether it's living toxic free, any of the things, um, hormone stuff, food stuff, all of it. Um, we'd love to hear things that are working for you or other questions you have. We can totally do a follow-up episode based on questions. Um, so yeah, write in, share this out, click the link, subscribe, like all the things we finally hit a thousand subscribers on YouTube yesterday, not just to this podcast, but to our physical therapy channel. So we love putting out content for you guys and we're here to help. So thanks for listening to this episode of change the conversations. We'll link, um, a lot of the stuff that Emily mentioned and some of the resources and tips, um, in the show notes and have that there for you guys. So until next time. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to Change the Conversations. We would love to hear from you and how you are going to be changing the conversations you have. Please listen, share, and let us know what other conversations you'd like us to be changing. If you'd like to be a guest on our show, feel free to email us at changetheconversations13 at gmail.com.